Hello, everyone. I'm David Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity, and we are welcoming all of you to join us today as we have a discussion with the Conveyor and Sortation Systems Group at MHI. And we have five distinguished gentlemen with us who are going to be talking about some of the issues related to automation and robotics as they affect the conveyor and sortation industry. And joining me are, is Jeff Brown, the Senior Manager, Global Industry Solutions Division at Mitsubishi Electric Automation. Good morning, Jeff. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Good morning, David. First of all, thanks everyone for allowing me to participate in this. I work for Mitsubishi Electric. I'm a Senior Business Development Manager focusing on logistics, part of a global team. Let me tell you a little bit about why I do what I do. I owe it to my wife and my life. My wife, Sandy, she gave me a good two punch and my life taught me to roll with the punches. Why is that important? I think right now you look at logistics and supply chain, we're having to look at how we execute with automation, but we're also having to roll with the punches. Thanks, David. Very good. And Satyan Patek is the account executive for Design Conveyor Systems. Welcome, Satyan. Thank you, David. As Jeff, I appreciate the opportunity to participate in this panel and hopefully provide some insight into conveyor sortation and uh, solutions. Uh, is a is an integrator in the space. Uh, we provide um, solutions to uh, high-end e-commerce and retail customers, and uh, we're just growing and excited to be part of this part of this uh, industry and part of this time. And Tim Krause is Product Manager with Interlox. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, David. Yep. Um, so uh, I work with Interlox. Interlox provides, uh, we provide both full, full integrated systems. We also do uh, sorters, conveyors. We provide equipment. And we, we also provide just components. So um, we've got a lot going on in the logistics and, and uh, material handling industry right now. And uh, I'm glad to be here and, and uh, be part of the discussion. Thank you, Tim. Marcus Winkler is head of advanced technology with TGW. Welcome, Marcus. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. Um, yes, I'm with TGW Logistics Group. And TGW is a, a global system integrator. We provide global, globally systems to all different kinds of industries, um, mostly picking solutions, but we're not only a systems integrator, we're also an equipment provider, so we also produce our own equipment to a certain degree, and yes, I'm happy to join you today. Thank you, Marcus. And Doug Schuhart is Material Handling and Logistics Manager USA for Beckhoff Automation. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, appreciate it, David. Uh, yeah, so Beckhoff is a leading technology automation company uh, with some specific strengths in intralogistics. We see that uh, specific market to continue to be strong for Beckhoff as it continues to grow uh, globally as a, a strong market. Um, so we offer uh, PLCs, industrial PCs, um, IOs, uh, strong drives and, and motors, uh, segment for us as well. And then really our, our biggest strength um, is our automation software. And then we're also the developer of the uh, open EtherCAT technology. Thank you, Doug. As I mentioned at the beginning, our panel is going to be looking at robotics and automation, especially as they affect the conveyor uh, and sortation industries. 
And basically, we keep hearing the term automation or robotics, and that's that's obviously the hot issue right now within the logistics and, and um, distribution center design space. In some ways, they're almost used interchangeably, and there's a lot of crossover between the two. So maybe just to begin with, uh, Jeff, I'd like to turn to you, Jeff Brown, to explain to us what is your definition or how do you define automation and robotics? Well, thanks, David. Um, and if I understand what you want me to talk about is how do you define automation and robotics? And it's a, you know, it's an interesting question. And as I've been in logistics and I've been in the automation and controls industry for 20 plus years, I really see kind of two perspectives on this. My perspective, having been on the automation and control side, is I when I hear those words, I think more of like the subsystems. I think the other perspective on this is more of a mechatronic system. When I talk to a lot of logistics customers, they think of automation as, you know, replacing labor and automating that system. Um, at the end of the day, I really think it's a blend of the two. And what's exciting is we move forward. They are becoming more of a complete mechatronic system. What I would refer to as lights out. That's what I got into this industry for 20 years ago to really see automation advance, see the conveyor sortation systems, the robots, you know, really be able to do those tasks um, without a lot of know-how with what's going on underneath the system. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, would anyone else like to chime in on the difference between automation and robotics and or how that fits with the whole, I mean, because in, in a lot of ways, conveyors and sortation systems have long been considered a subset of automation or a part of automation. But how is that changing in the way the industry is looking at it right now and, and defining? Is everything automation just robotics now or is it the whole package or how do you define that? Anyone else like to take a crack at that? Well, maybe, maybe I just add a little bit to that. Um, we do see a big difference between, you know, automation being kind of the, the conventional part of automation and robotics being kind of the new art of whatever it is. Um, I, I typically make a difference between is it something where, where, where we say, you know, how much of autonomy is in there? How, how much can it make its own decision? That's where I kind of point, the, point out this is kind of the direction, this is standard automation and this is new robotics. Um, we call it sometimes cognitive robotics, where really robots take over the decision making, the reasoning and so forth. So that's kind of the new age, but I'll, I'm absolutely with Jeff. There is, there is some kind of a blend over and you can't really draw a perfect line in there. Anyone else? Yeah, I'd I, I chime in and just say um, you're, the, the risk is if you, if you think of it as two, two options, then you may, you may be limiting yourself. Right. If you think robotics is a, is just like conveyors and sortation, it's another another tool in the toolbox for um, automating systems. So and often I think what we may talk about this more today, but often often robotics is working with something else. It's 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 rare that it's just a completely standalone robot for an automated solution. So so that's a, another way to think about it is just how to how do I blend the right mix of technologies and, and new, new technologies are coming coming at us every day. Right. And, you know, traditionally conveyors systems have been, you know, uh, 
excellent applications for those fixed path movement of products from one place to another, eliminate the need to, to use forklifts or some other way of, of moving that product. Um, but now we have robots that can do some of those same kinds of things, autonomous mobile robots and um, you know the, the like that can transport. We've had AGVs for many, many years available to do a similar kind of thing as well. But from those folks of you who are in the conveyor industry, um, do you see that kind of uh, the AMRs and the other robotics that you see coming up, do you see that as a threat to what you do or a complement to who you are? Marcus, let me turn to you for that question. Do you see this as a threat and, and how is the industry looking at the robotics and um, the way they're emerging right now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think we, we definitely, you know, see there, it's, it's to some part it's a threat, but we don't really consider it a threat. It, I think it's a great opportunity. There is a lot of, you know, potential new technologies coming up that we can use for our applications as well. Uh, I do see it as something that is um, adding to our, to our uh, competencies. Um, it's something that we, you know, we're kind of forced to, you know, um, getting more into the details, understanding those new technologies to apply them correctly. But I think there is, it's not a threat. It's just, we, we need to, you know, take it into consideration and take advantage of it and, and make it to our benefit. All right, very good, thank you. Uh, anyone else like to chime in on that one? I think I was, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I, I was gonna say, I, I, uh, I think the way we try to think about it is we, we know that there are certain applications where a, a robotic solution is a clear Clear has clear advantages over conveyors or sorters or automated singulators. Um, we try to think about how can we how can we augment that? How can we make it work work better, work faster, work more reliable? Is there something we can do to present items to to a robot to make it to make it much more efficient? Help the ROI, help the help the total the total solution. Very good, thank you. I'm going to make a switch here to make sure that just the person who's talking will be seen in the recording. My apologies for not doing that earlier. Um, also like to look at, uh, for a very long time, con traditional conveyors were the best solution for maximum flexibility. Um, but we, of course, have a lot of other kinds of systems emerging on the market. So how are those utilized with conveyor systems, some of the, the new technologies we have? And Doug, I'd like to ask you that question. So are, are traditional conveyors still the best solution out there for, flac for maximum flexibility? Yeah, so uh, thank you, David. Uh, we'll definitely continue to see traditional conveyors used as a part of an overall solution in uh, intra-logistics operations, but we are starting to see a lot of uh, new concepts that are adding the kind of flexibility that end users are looking for. Traditional conveyors, you know, sometimes don't offer quite the flexibility as some new systems that are approaching on the market. Um, you mentioned one earlier, you know, combining a conveyor system with an AMR, for instance, like a motorized conveyor on top of an AMR is just one example of, you know, bringing more flexibility to a traditional conveying system. Um, the other thing we're really starting to see, you know, when we talk about mechatronics is more mechatronic solutions that can be combined with traditional conveying solutions. So, for instance, linear track technology, uh, planar motor technology, these kinds of solutions are offering um, better handling of product, uh, but also providing some uh, further flexibility. 
So for those that are maybe less familiar with those kind of mechatronic solutions, the planar motor technology allows you to uh, have movers that basically are levitating on a tile base and can move around that tile base freely. And what's really unique from traditional conveyors is we can do asynchronous um, movement of the individual movers or synchronous movement of those movers. So we can move individual products, we can move them in tandem, uh, in groups, um, as well as being able to very flexibly adjust these systems. So we can add movers, add tiles, um, and have a free range of motion that you wouldn't have with traditional conveyors. I think we're starting to see really unique innovations where we're combining these technologies with traditional conveyors, similar to the way that we're combining powered uh, conveyor with AMR technology. Uh, the other thing that's really um, beneficial about some of these new technologies is uh, the cost of ownership goes away because we don't have um, any wear on planar motor technology. It's actually levitating and based on magnetics. Very good. Anyone else like to add on anything to that comment? You know, I would I would like to add on to that question about conveyors. I mean, the big challenge is, you know, this device right here. I want to order something, and whoever the whoever that supplier is, be it if they have a thousand SKUs, a hundred SKUs, when I order it, no matter what size it is, from three inches to you know, a couple feet, I want it in two days. And the e-commerce challenge has just expounded that. So it's put challenges on the infrastructure to adjust. We have to be able to handle smaller packages, more flexibility, and that's a combination of conveyors. It's a combination of sortation, different sortation methods. Uh, one of my OEM customers is doing cross-belt sortation where you combine with a, a conveyor on the front end that has to gap the products, and then they has to go into a sorter, and the sorter has to be able to identify that package I ordered and get it to the right outbound. And then maybe now you have to put a robot in there because you have to do some bin picking. So I would say the big challenge is the integration of all of these systems together and you know, we just see more and more challenges with the mechanics, with implementation of different technologies like Doug mentioned as well. Yeah, you bring up a good point with the whole drive towards e-commerce and especially we've seen that during the past year in the pandemic, people being at home obviously more and ordering more online and that isn't gonna go away. So have we seen a surge in um, the kind of conveyor systems that can handle parcels and smaller items and those individual shipments as opposed to the case lots that uh, conveyor systems may have traditionally handled. Are you seeing that more in your in your demand from customers at this point? Anyone? What do the order profiles look like out there? Absolutely, we, we see it for sure. I, I mean, everything is, uh, Everything used to be a full case. Now it's it's not just not only uh, now moving to individual items, but but the wide range of packaging that it may come in. So you know there's been a been a huge shift from less boxes, more poly bags.
but now different types of poly bags have added to the challenge. You know, bubble wrap versus um, you know a really thin poly versus um, you know some some e-commerce companies using more of a paper type envelope. So all those things um, you know add add to the mix. It's not just the uh, the item size, but but how is it packaged and how does that affect what the what the solution should look like? Sure, and you have very light item, items as you mentioned, or poly bags. Does that affect the the kinds of conveying surfaces that people are asking for now? More belts as opposed to rollers, or rollers that are that are bunched more tightly together. Does that affect the overall design? I th in my experience, I think people they're just looking for something that's going to work, right? Not necessarily saying what what's you know I want rollers or I want belt, but I need a solution that's going to minimize downtime. It's going to it's going to keep up throughput. Uh, it's going to minimize minimize package damage. And ultimately, it's going to get allow me to process orders as as quickly as possible for the for those for these these customer demands. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, yeah, so so just, really, look, they're looking for flexible systems more than anything else that that have the capability to convey a, a wide range of products. Is that right? Somebody I think was trying to chime in there. Yeah, I was just going to chime in, Dave, with regards to. Um, the how e-commerce is changing maybe the the scope of um size and weight and everything that could be handled in fulfillment because now we're also seeing grocery and pharmaceuticals being handled uh in fulfillment or e-commerce i should say and so now you have an even wider spectrum of um different types of uh, ways that things have to be handled differently than the traditional uh retail space perhaps um, so definitely expanding the, the types of automation equipment that may be required, um, handling pharmaceuticals, obviously a bit different, grocery items uh, a bit different than other retail items. So all of these are playing into some of the innovations of the um, equipment in the marketplace. Very good. Anyone else like to add to that? All right, we'll move on. Um, let me turn to you, Satyan, next. Uh, when you look at traditional sorting methods and looking at the, 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 the trusted forms of sorters that we've had over the years and how they've adapted, do you feel that robotics would cannibalize the trusted technology that's already out there? Well, Dave, I think we've kind of been touching on this topic a bit here with some of the other questions, but our traditional sorting methods, such as crossbelt sorters, which we mentioned, and line line sortation, I mean, they've been in use for 25 plus years and they've, they, these technologies have adapted through the times. Um, we kind of also touched on this is you know, we used to use these sorters for uh, replenish to store uh, versus then moving them into um, regional style distribution centers. And now we're, now we're handling these eaches that we're all seeing and, and the complexity of, of product mix and the SKUs that we've been discussing. Um, you know, so I think these traditional sorters are they're proven, trusted, tried. Um, I don't believe that they would be cannibalized. I think it's a bold statement. I would I would be more inclined to say that these technologies will serve each other in conjunction with the solution versus replacing the technology itself. Um, and so I think we were also touching on this earlier as well as I think these technologies, when they're used correctly and married in a solution set, they they complement each other. So. I, I do not see that the technology going away by any means. Uh, I think it's just going to be more expanded upon and then 
becoming more flexible as we learn more and more on how to utilize a cross belt and marry it with robotics or, or autonomous vehicles and other types of new automation technologies out there. Sure. Thank you. And, and as you just mentioned, you, we do see these as complementary systems where robots um, may be placed within line or used for, for picking. And Tim, maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit. Uh, how are conveying products being used to complement the robotic systems? They might have picking arms or, or delivering to a mobile robot. Can you share a little bit about some of the implementations you've seen where the robot may be, for example, presenting large incompatibles? Uh, I'm sorry, a conveyor system may be presenting large incompatibles to a robot or vice versa, where you've, you've got some of that working. Can you share, elaborate on that a bit, Tim? Yeah, that's that's a that's one example. Um, so yeah, AMRs make may make the uh, a lot of sense for for an operation handling large incompatibles instead of instead of you know designing a really heavy duty fixed path conveyors to 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 transport big oversized items, which represent a really small portion of maybe the total the total mix of of a of a of a company's business. Um, but how can how you know does it make sense for a a conveyor a sorter to to deliver those items directly to the to the AMR instead of that being a manual operation? So uh, that's that's an example that we've been involved in uh, a lot recently is 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 uh, trying to figure out where does where does a sorter probably possibly make sense to to deliver right to the robot. Um, other other examples might be. Uh, Sorting items, uh, right? You may have you may have robots that are that are individually manipulating items to either sort or to induct onto another sorter. Um, so using some type of a machine to to divide up that flow to multiple robots to to keep to increase the speed of the overall system. So bulk sortation, and then even how do we present the items right to the robot to keep them working as fast as possible? Is there something that can be done to through the conveyor or sorter to singulate or partially singulate the items right before right before the, the robot or vision system needs to identify individual items, pick them up, keep that moving as, as efficiently as possible. That'll help help improve the ROI and help help just justify uh, the automation. So so those are those are two two examples we've worked on a lot recently. Thanks, Tim. Uh, are there other examples that anyone else would like to share of how um, conveyor and sorting systems are complementing robots and vice versa? David, I'll add uh, one point to that as well. When we talk about the different uh, sizes of products that are being handled and the flexibility that uh, end users are looking for, this is another area where mechatronic solutions uh, provide some advantage because of both the asynchronous and synchronous uh, ability to, you know, synchronously combine multiple movers to handle larger products and then asynchronously separate those um, and handle smaller products uh, with single movers. So it does provide a, a unique complement of flexibility that uh, you wouldn't have in a traditional conveying system, for instance. Great. Thank you, Doug. Anyone else like to chime in on that one? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, I'd just like to make a comment. As I look at one market segment being 3PLs, third-party logistics, which a lot of, and even some brownfield distribution centers that aren't very, really large volume, but they have a lot of flexibility. The one, the one area that seems 
to be a lot of focus is the outgoing packaging area. So this could be like scan, label, apply, manifest. It could be that packaging. And there's conveyors there. There's opportunities to you know, seal and pack the case, as well as you know, implement robotics for picking up the case and carton. So it doesn't always have to be you know, high throughput, high volume. There's a lot of opportunities and kind of that end of line. And I also think that's where, you know, the, we call it the other term for robot, the AMR. It fits well in that environment because of its flexibility and its ability to replace, you know, a forklift or some, some you know, thing moving around the facility. Very good. And, and Jeff, while I have you on the camera there, um, that was Jeff Brown who just spoke. Many distribution managers are really challenged with trying to figure out how to just start or implement an automation and robotic system with, within their current existing automation system. So what would your advice be to them on how you would actually begin this journey of automating or implementing robotics with your conveyor systems? You know, I'd like to take off of something Tim said when you asked him about, you know, different conveyor technologies and what's working, belts or conveyors. And what he said is, you know what, the customer just wants a solution, right? But there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of automation within those systems. I, I would like it, you know, the utopia would be that these are lights out systems. But the reality is they're not. They have to be maintained. They have to be supported. So when you get this system, you know, you're either going to rely on your partner to service and support that, or you're going to have to have some knowledge of that system. So what I see, I have a good friend, he's a director in supply chain, and we have a lot of good discussions. He's soaking in all I know about automation. I'm learning what he knows on the supply chain side. So my advice would be, and I'm sure a lot of these uh, directors of operations are doing this, is learning about those subsystem, what's in there. You don't have to be an expert, but you gotta know how, how am I gonna support and maintain this? And that might be a trusted partner that you're relying on. But in order to have that trust, you gotta have a certain base knowledge of what those subsystems are. Anyone else like to chime in on that one as well with what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to begin their automation journey? Um, and, and understand the technology as well as what to do with it. Well, how best to apply it. Yeah, Dave, I, I like to kind of echo there also. I, I feel that, um, and I know several of us have had conversations with new customers or entrance to automation customers and what's, what's the best solution. And it typically is always, it depends. I've always found that there's nothing that's cookie cutter even within one single customer that has a network of the same type buildings that there's even variances there as well. And so it, it's all about what the customer KPI is as well as what they want to have. So to kind of bridge on to Tim's comment is I, I want a solution. I think that was also in conjunction to when we were talking about you can't address every type of item that's out there. You don't know where the dunnage is on some of these lightweight products. Do you go belt to do you go gravity? I, I think it's if you can get to 98 or 99% of getting your throughput and your product through your system, that's where you start looking and, and exploring as to what is the best solution. Very good. Anyone else? Yeah, I'll 
I'll just add also, you know, when looking at your automation journey and I'll, you know, my perspective is more from a controls perspective than the uh, automation equipment. Um, but, you know, I'm always making sure customers are considering the limitations perhaps of their current control system, their current field bus. Um, and looking at that as they look to the future because um, uh, future automation systems are only going to add more and more uh, technology to them. You know, we're talking about adding robots. Uh, that's just the, the beginning. I mean, artificial intelligence and machine learning and IoT and all of the, the um, intelligence that are going into the automated systems uh, of the future really start to identify a lot of limitations in uh, control platforms. And so I think for someone who's just starting that journey and looking at, you know, if they're doing a controls upgrade or if they're looking at, you know, what is the next generation control platform to consider, they really have to look at, you know, what kind of limitations they might have with their current control platform because it, it might be only somewhat limiting today it could be largely limiting in the future. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the important things to look at is, you know, where are you heading, uh, not just today, but into the future with your equipment um, or with your uh, fulfillment operation? Um, and, you know, what could the limitations be of, of current platforms, current field buses, um, and so forth. And I think that also leads into a, another topic of conversation, and that is, um, you know, limitations perhaps of PLCs versus PC-based control technology. And that's where a lot of the new uh, technologies coming out with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and robotics really lend themselves to PC-based control technology. Yeah. That is interesting. And if you mentioned that, I'm sorry, someone else wanted to add to that. Go ahead, please. Was there another voice coming in? All right, let's move on. You brought up an interesting point with the whole advancement, obviously, of technologies in these. We're looking at artificial intelligence and IoT and other control systems. Um, and those have obviously migrated as well to conveyor technology. So, Marcus, I'd like to ask you, what makes modern conveyor technology so different from the conveyors that we've seen in the past? And does that make it more challenging when you try to integrate all these other subsystems into them or integrate with robotics and other kinds of automation? So what um, are the differences you're seeing? Mm -hmm. um, I think there are kind of two aspects to the new conveyors that we are you know, currently experiencing from today compared to what we've seen in the past. Um, I think the big challenge is we need to make those conveyors much much easier to install much much quicker to install and also like like doug said before they they're communicating there is a lot of data that needs to be processed and 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 connected throughout the system so that's one of the challenges those those kind of conveyors that we're looking at is they need to be not only hardware and controls which apply to the hardware they're more like an integrated product so it's it's the it's the power supply it's the communication it's the logic that comes with the conveyor and it's a package it's something that where we see you can't really draw a line anymore and say, okay, we distinguish between, you know, controls and hardware equipment that doesn't work anymore. It's that kind of has shifted. And um, that's definitely, you know, driven by, you know, the changes that our customers are seeing. Yeah? They're, they're much more forced into this fast growing business. Um, 
customer behaviors change very quickly. And now we're challenged with you know, implementing large integrated systems within months and before it was probably years. And that's where you know, all those modular designs come much more into place um, because that's what we need to, as a manufacturer, do upfront to, you know, to be efficient on site. And that's, that's definitely one of the big changes that, that we're seeing. Do all those changes make it more difficult to be able to implement with other systems? And especially as you're talking about um, implementing other like robotic systems and other types of automation, uh, being able to, to communicate with the conveyor system and, and having uh, the data that is necessary for the warehouse management or warehouse control system or whatever the, the, the process is being used there. But does, it, does that make it easier with the kind of technology that's available in conveyor systems now to, to do that, that integration and, and cross communication? Well, at least at our end, I think we, we definitely see these, do see some some advantages. It makes it it makes it easier, uh, but there are new challenges coming up. Um, data is definitely growing. It's it's a lot of data is being created. We need to store it somewhere. We need to you know handle it and manage it. Uh, that's definitely one of the the challenges. But the, the infrastructure is much much better than than we were used to before. Mm -hmm. Doug, what do you think are some of the greatest barriers to um, to entry for incorporating robotics into sortation and conveying systems. We've talked about integration and some of those. What are the greatest barriers you think to that? Sure, and before I answer that, if you don't mind, I'll uh, add one point to the, the last uh, comment. And that is just that, you know, as we look to integrate all kinds of different uh, systems together, um, we're looking not just at modern greenfield sites, but also brownfield sites. And that, again, is where you really have to be cautious looking at limitations um, here, I'd say, of a field bus, because um, you may be integrating many different, both modern and uh, legacy field buses together in a system. So it's important to be looking at, you know, really open technology, uh, EtherCAT, one example that supports all open field bus protocols. Uh, so that can really aid in integrating a lot of different equipment. But to answer your question on, uh, you know, barriers to robotics, um, obviously, you know, ROI is, uh, you know, something that's going to be talked about uh, a lot when it comes to, you know, looking at the cost of a robotic system uh, versus having uh, perhaps a person handle that operation. Um, but at the same token, if you're resource constrained just because you can't find people, that sort of takes part of that equation away. Um, certainly the performance of a robot compared to how a person could handle that operation and the accuracy of a robot, um, all of those come into play. And again, you know, I'll, I'll go back to sort of the topic of PLC versus PC-based control. Um, you know, PC-based control allows companies to really combine all of these functions into one synchronous controller. So the, the robot, the vision system, and the material handling PLC can really all be handled synchronously instead of in three separate uh, asynchronous uh, black boxes, for instance. Um, and so that really touches on all three of those potential barriers. It's uh, significantly reducing the cost, um, uh, very much improving the performance of the three systems since they're all uh, being operated synchronously um, and can also improve on the, the accuracy as well. Uh, so I think those um, 
can be barriers, but uh, they can also be overcome, I think, with PC-based control technology. Plus, it provides a lot more flexibility because if you're centralizing that control, um, it improves upon the, the maintenance of the system and significantly improves upon the flexibility of the system uh, versus a more complex system with separate black boxes and, and separate communication. Right. And you touched on something there about the the rising costs of labor. And that's one of the main reasons why people were turning to automation is not only for the efficiencies and the speed and the other benefits of automation, but because you can't find workers to be able to do some of the work and automation is the one way to be able to do that. Especially as we see prices and and uh, and labor rates rising, wages increasing. Um, let me turn to Satyan and ask, do you feel that robotics can be a cost-effective solution in compared to the labor problem that we're, we're facing right now and, and the difficulty in finding workers and the cost of those workers? Do you think eventually this will be more cost-effective, especially as technology moves along? What do you see for the next five years, for instance? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're kind of in a unique time as we're coming out of post-pandemic and we're seeing where typically labor wages would decrease to, to gain your labor force, but they're actually increasing to get people to get back to work. Um, I believe automation is in a constant change cycle. I think uh, everyone would agree with that. And robotics aids in that principle by, by pretty much providing quicker solutions on how to move product through a building. Um, currently, there, you know, I, I still think there's a, a long way for robotics to become that tried and trusted traditional type as far as cross-belt sorters and line sorters have have made themselves in the marketplace. It's in its infancy. I do see robotics growing at a, at a more higher rate um, in, in its near term in the last couple of years. I feel that the cost effectiveness is, is coming in, is coming down as far as what it was maybe five years ago as the introduction into the market. And, and that those are one of the measures it's being benchmarked against today. And so I think we're actually in, in the time where we're, we're benchmarking where robotics and labor wages and what makes the right offset as to the solution versus what makes the right offsets to, to provide an ROI. So as wages increase temporarily or permanently for whatever reasons that are current in times, I, I still think that there's going to be a need for human touch, human guidance within the warehouse district or within, sorry, the warehouse distribution centers to where uh, I don't think robotics would entirely remove it, but I do think that they will come in line to where it's going to be a significant play to have, have robotics even for uh, not not so many of the high-end e-commerce retailers, but also entrance to automation uh, e-coms uh, and other customers like that as well. Would anyone else like to chime in on that one as well, looking at the labor situation and automation and robotics as a way of being able to maintain productivity with, when you don't, don't have workers available to create that productivity? Anyone else like to talk about that, the viability? Yeah, I would, uh, I would just like to say one of the challenges with the ROI, and, and we had to address this in our own distribution facility, we were looking at implementing, I, I say the two robots, the AMR and our robot on top of the AMR. So now you have a mobile robot. And as I was talking to our VP of operations, he's like, well, I think I can justify it on replacing you know, a headcount. But the challenge is, and I asked him, I go, well, how are we gonna support these robots and automation you'll have in your facility now? Because we, you know, we don't have a ton of automation. 
So we started looking at it a little different to say, okay, we're shifting from, you know, labor and that has a certain cost and investment to it, to robots and automation. And we started to think, you know, maybe instead of replacing, looking at the ROI and replacing one labor, maybe it's 0.75 labor, or we're looking at shifting some of that cost, which maybe was, you know, HR and onboarding and recruiting that we have to shift some of that investment over to the, the robotics and automation side so we can hire someone to maintain and troubleshoot that system. If we don't hire someone, we're gonna be paying someone, right, to service and maintain that system. So I guess my conclusion is, as you think of ROI, just don't think of it as a labor replacement. You know, there's an opportunity to upskill the workforce there's an opportunity for all of us to work with education, right? There's a definite skills gap out there. And there's an opportunity as we put this automation in there to increase that level of, of who's working on those systems. Very good. Anyone else like to add to that? Yeah, I'd just like to um, really agree with both Safia and Jeff, um, but I think the the, robotics um particularly when we look at like peak season for instance you know it's giving uh retailers maybe an option to expand the workforce when they can't find those resources so i i agree completely that we'll continue to see you know human operators handling uh, many of these functions in conjunction with different robotic applications i don't see those as being a, a means of replacing um you know human operators but uh instead being a way to offer those end users more flexibility um for peak or you know we had a great example this past year where all of a sudden the the labor just vanished you know obviously with COVID-19 and companies were in a situation of trying to figure out how do they handle those kind of situations and maintain their business and so I think complementing uh, human labor with robotics is a way to give companies more flexibility to um, you know really changing demands that they might have on uh, output agreed let me look at one other aspect too and that is the use of vision systems in, in conveyor systems and that's another technology that has gained traction within the last couple of years and tim how do you envision the role of conveyance in distribution centers evolving as vision systems gain more traction? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's for me. That's one of the most exciting areas in in our in our whole industry of of what what can what can be done with with vision and then coupling vision with with artificial intelligence. Um, a few few areas that 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 um, that are very interesting to us is is you know being able to use a system to pick out the boundaries of an individual item. So if it's if it's in bulk flow, being able to use a system that's looking down, I can pick out one specific item. Now how can I use that to create a uh, intelligent solution? So an intelligent singulation or um, intelligent side-by-side -side reduction or intelligent way to deal with stacks. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, as that evolves, that becomes more available. That as that progresses, uh, we certainly expect to see that in 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 many areas of of the of the market. And that 
some of the value. So it's it's cool that you can do that, but what does that mean for an end, end customer or end, end system? In a lot of cases, we see that dramatically reducing the, the the footprint of a solution. So there's lots of lots of solutions out there where you can you can mechanically do something with a you know a non-intelligent solution, but it takes up footprint, it takes space. It may take you know may take a, a a long footprint of conveyor or sorters to to get to a single file um, flow of of e-commerce products. Um, but if you have an intelligent system that can that can pick out items individually, you may be able to completely compress that, and that that can really change change the game, change what's what may be available um, in a in in last mile facilities or in even in parcel hubs, big parcel hubs. Um, so yeah, the, lots lots of very exciting things going on with Vision. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think this brings up one point in that. You know, you, you, we've talked about these technologies and the, the growth of them and how they're being integrated with conveyor systems. And I just want to ask you, I, I believe in looking at it, conveyor, system, uh, conveyor companies a long time ago kind of stopped being just hardware producers. And they're now really looking at themselves as more of solution providers, looking at how, you know, while you might provide the conveying systems and the sortation systems, you're looking at it as a bigger package as a whole. Do you, do you see the, the industry itself evolving to where you're more of a solutions provider, being able to implement these other technologies, the, the sensors, the IoT, uh, the vision systems, uh, robotics, other kinds of automation tying into that? Uh, how do you see the, 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 uh, the, or, the, the, the industry itself the, uh, evolving over time? How do, you, how do you view yourself now in the market, I guess, is my question. Anyone? I'd, I'd say for me, uh, to, to build on one of the previous questions, I, I try to imagine uh, a young engineer coming coming into a trade show and just the diversity of all the different solutions out there, right? You could you could be tasked with trying to trying to build an automated system for e-commerce fulfillment or anything, and you could stop at four or five different booths, and you could have four or five completely different suggestions on what the answer is. And none of them may be wrong. I'm sure they would. They, you know, they all they all work, but they're all optimizing on on something. Um, so so it's just it's very interesting to me the 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 complexity of of what's out there now. And to tie back to that specific question, uh, companies have to evolve to to think about the total solution, right? You're just uh, thinking about just building a conveyor by itself is. Uh, it, you're, you're going to miss what else is out there. How does it integrate? Where does it best fit? How does it work with other technologies? So I, I see the whole industry has to, you know, naturally has to shift in that way to make sure that their the solution is relevant and it can be can be coupled with the right other things to make a to make a great a great system for a customer. Agreed. Anyone else like to add to that? Yeah, and I, I'd like to add to that, David. I, I think customers nowadays aren't um, just looking for a brand. They're looking for a solution that's going that's going to meet their needs now and in the future, five, 10 years, whichever their outlook may be. And to kind of build on that, it, it's, um, yeah, you can, there used to be conveyor companies that had just their MHE equipment. And then, you know, you felt like an obligation as a customer that, well, that if they're building out a storage system or some other type of technology, let's keep it all one brand. I think as customers evolve and they also learn about technologies and what's available in the marketplace, as they also 
walk these same trade shows and get the same intel. I, I think that that culture is shifted for customers on the outlook of how they they look at what's going to be the best solution for for my company or my organization for operations and throughput. So certainly agree with Tim there. Anyone else like to add to that? I would just like to expand a little bit on what Tim said uh, earlier. You know, I, if you look at conveying systems as, you know, solutions uh, for companies, I do think it's really exciting to see that um, they aren't just, you know, conveyors anymore. Uh, looking at artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and ways to create new innovations for different solutions for and customers using that technology coupled with vision um, are ways that we're seeing uh, companies uh, have competitive advantage uh, in the marketplace because obviously it is a very competitive marketplace, um, but it's also providing completely new solutions uh, to the end users. Uh, and again, like Tim said, using some innovations like that to actually reduce the footprint of the uh, overall systems um, and of course the, the physical size of these fulfillment centers is uh, you know, really becoming an important aspect of discussion in the design of the systems. Um, definitely here in the US, but even more so pushing into the European market where they don't have perhaps the land mass that uh, we do here in the US. So yeah, I think it's pretty exciting to see you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, vision, these kind of technologies all being uh, a part of the future system solutions. Well, it certainly does look like we're going to have a bright future for everyone. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you. Again, we've been talking with Jeff Brown from Mitsubishi Electric Automation, Satyan Patek from Design Conveyor Systems, Tim Krauss from Interlox, Marcus Finkler of TGW, and Doug Schuhart from Beckhoff Automation. It's been an informative hour, and I thank you all for, for being a part of this and uh, giving us a little bit, a glimpse of what's happening now and where the future is going with the technology, um, especially as you look at conveyors and, and sortation systems and their integration with other automation and robotics. Thanks for a very good time today. We appreciate it. I'm Dave Maloney with DC Velocity.